Come on, what's up, everybody? Why don't you give Jesus a little praise right now? Let's give him a little worship. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. It is good to be in God's house, man. Miracles all morning. Let's don't get, let's just don't get used to these kind of miracles. Can you, can we do that as a church? Not, let's don't just get used to water baptisms and people saying yes to Jesus and life change and generosity and salvation and spontaneous water baptism. Come on, let's not, let's not, can we not get bored of all that? Come on, Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want something new, Lord, but I'm the same. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I just don't want to get uh, used to his miracles. I don't want to get used to life change and used to generations taking steps into the water. And I'm just so thankful that we had three people give their life to Christ for service. Come on, three of, our, three of your family members said yes to, to heaven, yes to eternity. Um, last week, we had six people give their life to Christ. And we've had, I think, 24 people are going to get water baptized today. The next service, we have, I think, seven or eight people signed up for water baptism. So thank you for just being a church that believes God for the kingdom to come and his will to be done. And I just want to say, every one of you are part of it. Like, don't think that it's just a select group of people. Like, if you go here, attend here, believe here, give here, serve here, like, there's an account in heaven. Like, you're a part of what God is doing in people's lives. And so thank you for the sacrifice. We're in a series called Side Hustle. Been looking at uh, all, all of your money. Look at somebody say, all your money. We're talking about money, and uh, many of you have been getting a little, little worried, a little defensive, and I said it the first, first week, uh, we get defensive because we're the owners. Uh, when we get defensive and we get a little protective, that means that we actually think we own it. We talked about week one, like we don't own anything. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, everything, that's everything. That means you're his, and your house is his, your cars are his, your, your clothes are his, it's all his, and, and, and that's the Bible. But sometimes we don't, we don't live that because we want to think we're the owner, we want to do our plan. And so we talked about us really being stewards. And the beautiful thing about being a steward is I don't own it. And so I don't have to protect it. I don't have to defend it. I don't have to, I don't have to make it okay. Like when it, he's the owner, he's the one that has to protect it. He's the provider. He's the one that has to make it okay. And so I just tell him, Lord, I'm a steward. I'm trying to do your plan. And so you need to settle in your heart. Are you an owner or are you a steward? And then last week, we looked at being a steward and, and really the practical plan of doing it God's way. If you're not an owner, then you'll do it the owner's way. So many of us, we want to do it our way. Well, that means we're an owner. You're not an owner. You're a steward. And so God's way is the tithe. It's 10% of our income, gross income. We talked about it last week. Some of you got a little bit, a little bit, oh, I'm not sure about it. And so that's all right. You're back. Thank you for coming back. Um, if you're new, that you can go online and listen. Uh, but uh, we talked about tithing. We talked about stewarding, like figuring out how to like manage what we have. And then we talked about sowing seed. That, that it's very biblical. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower. He doesn't give seed to the non-sower. He gives seed to the sower. And so, so when He knows you can begin to sow, and you're going to begin to sow, He'll begin to put seed in your hand. We looked at the apples, and there were seeds inside of them. And I told you, don't consume the seed. God doesn't intend for you to consume the seed. That's why seeds are bitter, even in the natural. You're not meant to eat them. You're meant to put them in good soil. And so our house, we believe this is good soil. Look around, water baptisms, food in the house, people getting saved, it's good soil. Um, we take up a, an offering once a year in December. It's not today. You can relax, say, whoo, it's not today. Um, and we do that intentionally because we want you to pray about it. I don't want to manipulate you, tell you what to give, or do any stressful offerings or manipulation, anything like that. We don't do that. All I do is ask you to pray for over a month. And so in November, I'm going to lay out before you what the vision is for next year. We're believing to expand our property and to, to build and some different things like that. We're going to lay that out before the church. And then I'm just going to ask you to pray and ask God what he'd, he'd have you give. And then I'm just asking you to listen to God and obey what he says. 
Obey what I say. Don't obey what anybody else says. Obey what God says. And so that's how we do that. So we talked about sowing seed. I want to encourage you, some of your financial future is inside the seed that you keep eating. And so you want sustenance and you want sustained and you want to see God do some miracles. Well, that's called putting seed in the ground. You need to do that um, as you walk with God. And so this week, I'm going to go into the Gospel of John. For two weeks, I'm going to be in, around this passage, I believe. And um, we're going to start a new series next week, but I'm going to stay in this passage. And um, John's Gospel is a special Gospel. I just love the Gospel of John. Who, who likes John? I like the Gospel of John. It's just, uh, and, and I'll tell you probably why you like it so much, because there's, there's a breakdown of how these Gospels are written. And um, John's Gospel, uh, he tells us why he writes it in John 20, 30, and 31. This is what he says. He gives us the clear purpose of why he wrote. He says, and many other signs Jesus did. So Jesus did a bunch of signs, miracles. But these are written that you would believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you might have life in his name. So John wrote, the two most used words in the book of John are believe and life. Believe in life. Believe in life. Because your life is determined by your believing. The way and quality and, 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 and amount of life you have is determined by how you believe. And so John, over and over, is trying to teach us who Jesus is. Four Gospels are very different. Matthew uh, was a Jew. He's a Levite. And uh, he focuses on Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The ruling heir to the tribe of Judah. He focuses on Jesus as that as that Messiah. Um, and, then, and then Mark, uh, Gospel of Mark, is really Peter's gospel. Mark was Peter's scribe. So Peter um, is dictating it to Mark. Mark is writing it down. Mark, um, many believe, uh, Peter was um, an action man, like, let's take action, let's do it. And so, so Mark's gospel is the suffering servant. Jesus as a suffering servant, like, let's do it, let's serve, let's suffer, let's give our life. So the suffering servant. Um, Luke was a physician, and so he focuses in on Jesus as the son of man about like mankind, the son of man, that Jesus was the son of man. John, they call it the spiritual gospel of John. He goes to a 30,000-foot view, and he focuses on Jesus as the son of God, the, the deity of Jesus, that Jesus was God, is God, will always be God, that God has a name, and his name is Jesus. And so um, I just want to encourage you, everyone would not maybe argue about God, a higher force, but the arguments come when we begin to talk about Jesus, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John has seven statements um, that are I am statements, and he gives us these statements, and it's Jesus introducing himself to us to, to do something in our heart to change our mind, to change our thinking. And so there's seven I am statements. You know the statements, the eight statements like I am the light of the world. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, Jesus says, I am the way. Can I tell you again in church? Can we settle it? He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to the Father. Let me clarify. There's many paths to Jesus, but one way to the Father. All of us came to Jesus through a different trial, a different background, a different family, a different turmoil, a different situation. All of us bent our knee through some pain or some need. All of us bowed our knee on some different journey, but there's only one path to the Father. And that's Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he makes this statement in John 6. He says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. We're talking about side hustle. We're talking about provision. We're talking about the grind. We're talking about how do we get provision? How do we do it God's way? And I just wanted to go into the spiritual side of it and really lay out for you the, the, the reality of who Jesus is as the bread of life. He introduces himself to you and I as the bread, as the source. And he feeds 5,000 people and gives this bread discourse. And he, it's really a picture of Jesus giving himself to the multitudes. He multiplies the bread, feeds 15, 20,000 people. It's a picture for you and I that he feeds us. 
He multiplies himself to humanity. He does the miracle, and then he introduces himself as the bread of life. John 6, verse 1. After this, they went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on a mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread? So that these people may eat. He said this to test Philip. He wasn't testing Philip's math skills. He wasn't testing Philip's saving skills. He wasn't testing Philip's purchasing skills. He wasn't testing Philip's Google Earth skills, how to find the closest grocery store. He wasn't testing Philip. What was he testing Philip about? He said this to test Philip. Well, God will never test you. Yes, he will. He'll never tempt you, but he'll test you. He was testing Philip's faith. I love it. He was testing him. He said this. Look at this. He said this. He was testing him for he himself knew what he would do. Come on. Jesus knows what he's going to do in the situation you find yourself in right now. He's just testing you a little bit. He's just testing your nerves, testing your faith, testing your anxiety, testing your worry. Oh, that isn't really nice of God. He's testing you. For he knows what he's going to do. 15,000 people on a hillside. Where are we going to get food to buy bread, Philip? Jesus said this, knowing what he was going to do. So he says to them, he said this to test him. And then Philip says, 200 denarii worth of bread won't even feed them. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, the boy is here with the five barley loaves and two fish. What are, they, what are we going to do with, what are they for so many? We can't do anything with that. Jesus said this, have the people sit down. Have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down. There was the men. There was women and children. So there was about 15,000 people. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and then he gave thanks, and he distributed those to who were seated. He distributed and fed those who were seated. He fed those who were seated. He fed those that were seated. He distributed and fed people that were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, they'd eaten all they Wanted when they were full, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered the, up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who came into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him and force him to be king. This always that blows my mind. Like, what are they going to do? Come tie him up and stick him in a chair in some closet? Like, you're going to be king now. Like, Jesus is like, man, don't tie me up and make me king. He's like, no, no, no. Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. He's like, I got to get out of here. These people are crazy. They're going to tie me up and make me to be king. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten bread after the Lord had gave thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. So they, they act like they're going to find him. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They start making small talk. When did you get here? Like, hey. Jesus rebukes him. Jesus answers and said, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, not because you believe in me, not because you know I'm the source of life, but because you ate bread to your, to, to your fill and you ate loaves. Do not work for food that perishes. Quit stressing in your side hustle for food that's going to disappear. Quit worrying about all of the income. Quit worrying about food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, not make you work for it, will give to you. The Son of Man will give it to you. 
He will give you life. Don't stress, don't work for bread that perishes, but for what the Son of Man will give to you. He will give to you. For on him God has set his seal. Verse 28. Then he said to them, then they said to him, what must we do to work the works of God? What must we do to be good Christians? What must we do to be sustained? What must we do to be okay? What must we do to work the works of God? What must we do to prove that we love you? What must we do to work the works? And Jesus answered, this is the hardest verse for you and I to live in our life every single day. Gwen, it's your tagline on your, on your email. This is one of my favorite verses. Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. This is the work of God, that you would believe on him, that you would believe on... This is the work. The hardest part of the work of God is believing the God of the work. The hardest part of your faith walk day in and day out when you want to produce and you want to side hustle and you want to grind and you want to work and you want to make it happen and you want to work it out and you want to figure it out and you want to do the math skills and you want to say, how are we going to feed and how are we going to do it? The hardest part is saying, I'm just going to believe the God of the work. He said, you must believe the one who was sent down from heaven. So they say to him, then what sign do you give us that we may believe you? Oh, man. He just, he just fed 15,000 people with a Lunchable. <laughs> a little dude, a little dude's lunch, a little Lunchable. He's like, here, I just fed 15,000 people with some crackers and a and some cheese, you know, and you're going to, what sign do I do that we may believe you? They're looking for a sign. They got this mindset of a, of a miracle, of a sign. They said, what work do you perform? Come on, work, prove it. What's work? It's always works. Like, what work do you need to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus like, hold on, you're dissing my dad. You, you, you're, Moses didn't give nobody bread. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. My dad is Papa Panera. My dad brought he- brought." <laughs> brought bread down from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. My title for today is what feeds you? What feeds you? What feeds you? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel of John. Thank you for the 30,000 foot view, Jesus, of who you are. Thank you that you're the source. You're the sustainer. You're the bread of life. You're the bread that came down from heaven that we could eat of. Lord, everyone's hungry. Everyone's soul is hungry. Everyone's trying to curb an appetite. Lord, many things we face in life are because we've eaten on the wrong thing. We've fed on the wrong thing. Would you, would you be our source again today? In all the things we face, would you be our sustainer in the bread today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What feeds you? I got a family of five. It is um, a a tough venture to go out and pick a restaurant. Anybody feel my pain? Like, what you hungry for? What you hungry? Oh, it's a bad question. What do you, where do you want to eat? Come on, anybody, you're going to face it today when you get in the car, you leave here. Where do you want to eat? Don't eat? It's like, ah, it, just, it begins to go around. It could be two of you. It might even be by yourself. You might argue with yourself about where to eat. 
You know, but it's like, where are we going to eat? There's different appetites, different flavors, different taste buds, different styles. Everybody wants something different. And so whenever we ask that question, it's like, how, oh, what are we going to do? And we just kind of can go round and around and around. We can kind of get stuck. Where are we going to eat? Last night, I actually went and brought food for the game. And I went to, uh, we'd eaten out nice dinner the night before. And so we're just going to buy a little something in. And so I was like, I'll go to Fresh Market. I just go, I'll go get a little stuff at Fresh Market. My wife's like, you know, I don't know if you, you should do that. I was like, no, I got this. I got I got this, and I went to Fresh Market, and I walk in there, and I get my, I get a big old cart, and I just, I just, the first thing I see, I see like, you know, coconut shrimp, and then I see the wings right next to that, and I get to put the wings in it with the buffalo sauce, then I go to the glass case, and I see the teriyaki chicken, and give me some of that, I see the flank steak, I said, give me some of that, I see the blue cheese potato salad, give me a lot of that, I see the coleslaw, give me some of that, I see the teriyaki chicken, give me some of that, I see, and then I go around the corner, I need a little bit of chili, I go and get some turkey chili, I take two of the turkey chilies, put those in there. I get some chicken tortilla soup. Put that. I get some tomato brisk. I put that in there. Oh, I am sick today. <laughs> we won the game, somebody, but I did not eat right. I didn't even know. I was like, what is all this? I got to the counter. The lady's like, you ain't the chef. <laughs> I was like, thanks for rubbing it in. I'm just heating some stuff up today, okay? I don't want to make anything. And I just went home. My wife looked at me. She's like, I'll make something else. She's making tater tots over there on her own. It's like, it was just a weird menu. It's because I didn't know what to get. I had different things that I wanted fed by. I'm trying to get different food for six different people. I'm like, let me just try to get something for everybody. And it was just a little bit chaotic. What feeds you? What feeds me? In Tennessee, there's uh, 13,900 restaurants in the state of Tennessee. 13,908 to be exact. 7,000 of them are chain restaurants. Listen to this stat. Knoxville has more restaurants per capita than any place in the United States. Man, we hungry and don't know what we want to eat. We hungry people. We're like, where are we going to eat? What feeds us? What, what gives us? What's, what sustains us? And so sometimes as a family, we just get so stuck. Like, I just get stuck. Like, we argue. We don't know where to go. So I just get stuck on the same, same couple places, same three places, Chipotle, Chipotle, and Chipotle. That's where, I, that's where we go. <laughs> My kids get ticked off. They're like, we don't want Chipotle again. We don't want that again, Dad. And so we used to argue. We used to try to make everybody go to the same place. Now I'm like, I give up on that. There's a 1,000 restaurants in Knoxville. We'll go down the street. You go to Naf Naf if you want that. You go get some Chinese right there. You go through Zaxby's drive through I'm getting Chipotle. I'll bring it in the house. I'll bring Chipotle up into any restaurant. I don't care. I got no pride about that. I'll carry Chipotle to go, somebody. I'll walk right up in your restaurant with Chipotle. <laughs> and so, so we realized there's a thousand methods for our children and family to be fed. Why argue? Why fight? We, oh, yeah, you want to do that? We were at NAF, NAF, right around the corner. My daughter's like, I don't want it. We were in with another family. And, and my daughter's like, I want, a, I want a Smoothie King smoothie. We're like, go get you one, baby. Go get a Smoothie King. She brings the Smoothie King back in. The lady that was eating with us got offended for us. She's like, you're going to let your daughter just go get a smoothie like that because she wanted it? I'm like, heck, yeah. There's a thousand methods to feed my family. God's trying to teach you and I. He's the source. He's the bread of life. There's a thousand methods to feed you. You keep getting stuck on one method. You keep getting stuck on one way, one mindset, one need. You think that's how it has to happen. God's telling you, I've got everything designed for you. I've got plenty of methods to feed you. I'm the source. You're stuck in one way, and I want to get you out of that mindset, God says. He's literally saying, I've created a system to feed you. There's nothing God created in the planet that he didn't design a system to feed it. If that was the case, he'd, if he didn't, he'd have to get up every day and make some more stuff. He'd have to be exhausted to be a chef every day. No, the Bible says in the beginning in Genesis, he took the seed and he put it in the tree. He put the seed in the fruit, and everything reproduces after its own kind. 
There's a sustaining system in the earth. And then what did he do? He made the sustaining system. Then he created mankind and placed him inside of the system that was already self-sustaining. When Adam got hungry, he didn't go, what are we going to have? And God didn't go, I don't know. I'll go to market, fresh market and buy a bunch of soups. (laughs) Confuse the whole family. (laughs) He didn't do that. No, no. God placed Adam inside of a self-sustaining system and said, here's all the food that you want. God is constantly trying to teach you and I that he is the source to get you off of one way. When Adam lost his place in the garden and got kicked out, they didn't starve. What happened? God showed up to Adam and began to talk to him and communicate to him and then begin to feed him. And then God puts a promise on down to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be blessed and you're going to bless the world and you're going to be blessed. So blessed that you're going to overflow and bless everybody. That's the promise. And then all of a sudden, famine hit the world, and the news begins to go, and wars, and rumor of wars, and worry, and fear, and stock market issues, and interest rate issues, and all that begins to happen, and famine hits, and then God finds a little boy named Joseph and sends him to a place called Egypt and says, I need you to prepare a system of sustaining life force in in this place called Egypt because there's going to be a famine, and my people are going to get hungry eventually, so I need you to go make a way. God sends a boy named Joseph, and when everything hits the planet, and there's all hell breaking out and chaos, and everybody's hungry, God's kids get hungry, and God says, hey, I've already designed a place for you to go and feed you. So all of his kids go into a place called Egypt, and the people of God go, and they're sustained from a man named Pharaoh, which was really Joseph, because the grain was in the land. God prepared it and then placed his people inside of it and sustained them for 400 years. When times got tough and slavery kind of began to keep rising and people were being beaten and and God said, I want to set them free to go worship me. What happened? They got set free and they went out into the wilderness and began to worship the Father. In the middle of when they began to worship, they began to get fearful and they began to get scared. They began to get nervous about the situations they found themselves in. Some of you are nervous about the world right now. And what did they want to do? Immediately, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to slavery. They wanted to go back to the old life. And God said, you've forgotten that I fed you in Egypt and you've forgotten that I fed my people and you've forgotten that I have a source for you. You're you're worried about food. I blink my eyes and quail comes out of the sky. I snap my fingers and water comes out of the rock. I, I, I clap my hands together and bread manna begins to rain down from the, from the heavens. What you're worried, you're worried. You want to go back to an, to an old method. You want to go back. You still think that I have to have Pharaoh to feed you? So you're uncomfortable because you think that Pharaoh has to be in your life to feed you. So whatever that thing is that causes you stress and anxiety and fear and worry, that's Pharaoh. That's not God. And so if you're not careful and you can't allow God to use a different method to feed you, you'll cling to confinement and go back to a method that actually keeps you enslaved instead of allowing God to be your source, allowing God to prosper you and bless you. So God is trying to change their mindset. Write this down. You don't have a need that God doesn't have a supply for. You you don't. God's already sustained, already supplied. In this story, I love Jesus said, I know what I'm going to do. They they get stuck. They're stuck in a method. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. Some of you beg God for a miracle every month. And then the next month comes, you need another miracle. God needs to change your mindset. Needs to change your mindset to where you can begin to believe that he's actually the source. You're not stuck in that, that you can trust God and go, okay, God, I'm going to let you be the source of my life. I'm not going to be complaining. I'm not going to be worrying. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to trust that you can clap your hands and put me inside of any supply that you need for me to have. God is saying, I don't need a way to get you food. I am your food. I am the bread of life. I, I am your source. I am 
your sustenance. I am everything you need. Everything else is just a resource. I am the God Almighty. I am the creator of the universe. I am the bread of life. I can feed you a thousand ways. Stop getting so worried. I can feed you any way I need to feed you. I'm the chef. I wrote the menu. I'm, I'm not... I'm not scared of it. I can give you what you need. God sent manna down from heaven and begins to rain on them manna. Here's the thing. They begin to talk to Jesus about manna, and he corrects them. And here's what I want you to see. I'm going to give you a little contrast between manna and what Jesus did in this miracle. It's a big contrast. It's done on purpose. Jesus shows us the difference. Manna, if you remember, it came down from heaven, and, and they had to go gather it, and there was only enough for one day. They had to go out and gather manna. It, there was rules to manna. There was a lot of rules to it. Like you have to go out and you have to gather just a little bit, enough for your house. Enough if there's four of you, get just enough for four of you. If there's three of you and you don't have enough, somebody else who's got a little bit more, they can gather and then they can share it. But it's got to, and it, it goes moldy and maggoty in one day. It only lasts for a day. And that you can't go out on the seventh day. You have to go get it on the six days. And on the seventh day, you can't go get it because it's actually considered work. So I need you to go get manna. That was manna. That's not what God promised them long term. God promised them that houses they didn't build, wells they didn't dig, trees that they didn't plant, fruit that they didn't, milk and honey, a land of, I'm not, this is not a message about don't work. This is a message about believing God is your source and what he wants to bring you into. And so God says, Jesus begins to say, this is not, this is not about manna. This is, this is about me. I, I, I'm, manna was just a method. I need to move you on from that method. He's trying to move your mindset on today from whatever it is that you've been trusting in. Usually when God's trying to move you to a new method, you get discomforted, you get, you get agitated, you get weaned, and you get a little aggravated when God's doing that. Why? Because, because he's trying to say, you've got to quit trusting in this. And if you find yourself getting a little worried and agitated, you've probably begun to put trust in that thing as your source. I do it, you do it, we do it. We put trust in things, and we think that they're actually our source. God is saying, no, 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 hello. I'm introducing myself to you in a new way. I'm the bread of life. Let that drop to your heart and begin to change your mind. Jesus teaches them. Philip looks at him and goes, hey, where are we gonna get enough bread to feed all these people? Jesus said this, testing them, testing them, because he knew what he would already do. He knew what method he had to feed you. He knew what he would do. Some of you are so worried right now. You're like, I, I don't know how it's going to work. Philip answers. He goes, 200 denarii worth of bread would not even be enough to feed each of them. Other disciples are like, we don't even have enough. Here's a situation. Jesus says, where are we going to get food? Oh, 200 denarii. There's 15,000 people here. Where are we going to get food? He's testing their faith. You're worried about the math adding up and Messiah standing right by you. You're worried about the coworker or the work situation or the financial situation or the company that you started. Or you're worried about the house that won't sell. Or you're worried and you're missing. You're worried about the circumstance. And Jesus is testing your faith. And he's testing because he knows what he's going to do. And, you, and Messiah is right there. How many times do we worry about how many times have you faced something that's overwhelming and the odds just aren't adding up and the bills aren't adding up? And how am I going to put this kid through school? And how are we going to pay this note? And how are we going to do this with inflation? And, and Messiah is right there. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. He's testing me. He's testing you. Are we, are we going to trust him as the source? Or are we going to miss our circumstance? Listen, most of the impossibilities you find yourself in, Jesus is standing right in the middle of them with you. And, and really, the impossibility, <laughs> Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Listen to me. The impossibility is actually designed to help you define Jesus as your source. 
impossibility is there because he wants you to come to the place where you realize, hey, this isn't, this isn't what sustains me. He's my source. He's the bread of life. I don't know what circumstances you're facing today or what your, 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 the odds that you face are, but the impossibility in your life, please, would you allow it to drive you to the source? Would you allow it to drive you to Jesus? He feeds the, the 15,000 and they begin this discourse with him, and, and they're all worried about it. It's not about the what, it's about the who. Jesus feeds him. They say, hey, Rabbi, how'd you get over here? He crosses the water, walks in water. They come over, they're like, how'd you get over here? He's like, you're not looking for me because you believe in me. You're not looking for me because of the miracles and you believe I'm Messiah. You're looking for me because you ate a little bit of bread yesterday, and you still think now you're stuck on that method, and you want me to fill your bellies again. And Jesus says, listen, don't work for that. Don't stress out for food that perishes. Quit grinding yourself in a side hustle Quit, quit being anxious and worried and for food that perishes. And would you do the work of God and I'll give you this? It's eternal life. And then they test him. Like they say, well, where, do a work. Prove it. Prove it. Again, you just fed 15, 20,000 people yesterday. Prove it. What work do you have? They start talking about Moses giving them manna. And Jesus is like, listen, Moses didn't give you manna. My father gave you manna. He's like, you, they want to work. Listen to this. Everything in your life becomes work if there's no grace on it relationships, worship, giving, serving, going to church. It's all work if there's no relationship. Some of you are in such a work mode with God, such a grind because you just got to get some relationship with the bread of life. Like you're my, Jesus, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to understand who you are. I'm not going to just go about working this stuff out. He says, I want to change your mindset. I don't want you to try to work it out, force it out, fix it. That's, sometimes that's me. I, I'll try to fix it and work and do it and go. Jesus said, no, no, no. Listen, I need you to change your mindset. Would you believe on me? That's the work. Would you trust that I'm the source? Would you believe that I've done some miracles? Would you believe I'm Messiah, the bread of life? They say, okay, show us the sign. Give us some manna. He's like, listen, that, my dad gave you manna. Don't insult my father. I am the bread. My father gave you the bread. Yesterday, they gave him bread. Today, they forgot. Please hear me. So important. Manna goes moldy in a day. When you live off of this mindset, you forget all God did for you yesterday. When you have a miracle mindset and a manna mindset and how, how am I going to get fed and what's going to happen, you forget. What have you done for me lately? It's a law mindset. It's a, it's a works mindset. It's a manna mindset. It's like what? It just went moldy and it only lasted a day. What can I do to please you today again, God? How hard can I work to please you? I just have to do more to, to, do, to get more to make the company successful. I just have to do more to make the relationship work. God, what? I just Let's work this out. It's, man, it's moldy in a day. They forget all God did one day later. Jesus is like, oh, yeah, that's right. You're still in a law mindset. You're still in a legalistic mindset. You're, you're still remembering the manna that went moldy. You're talking about Moses and manna. He said, I'm Messiah. I got a thousand ways to feed you that don't go moldy. I got a thousand ways to put food into your life. Jesus says, truly, truly, verse 33, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father who gives the true bread that comes down from heaven. You keep missing the source because of your mindset, you think you have to have that job, you think you have to have that relationship, you think you have to have that girl or that guy, that status, you have to have that level of money, you have to have that income, you have to have that workout, you think, I ha if I just have that, your mind says, I just have to have that method. God's saying, no, you don't. I am the method. I am the source. If you remember with manna, there was so many rules to it. 
Manna symbolizes the law. Manna, remember this, was go and gather, 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 moldy in a day, go and gather. Don't get it on the seventh day. It's work. Go and gather. It's a work. It's the law. It's go and gather. Manna was work. Jesus fed the multitudes with sit and receive. Sit and receive. Sit and receive. And all those that were seated ate. We're so busy going and gathering. And Jesus is saying, would you just sit and receive from me? I'm the source. Would you stop stressing and side hustling? Would you just take some time and sit and receive? I don't know what your day looks like or what your time with Messiah, but I promise you, if you're not sitting and receiving, you're going and gathering and you're stressed out to the nth degree. And God's asking you and I to say, you know what, slow down and just sit and receive. Can I tell you that going and gathering manna was work, but you know what our bread is? Our bread is worship. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. We don't beg bread. We believe for bread. We worship God. We sit and receive, and we say, thank you, God. You're my sustainer. You're my source. I'm not saying this to brag. My wife and I, looked at, I look at our giving sometimes in, throughout each year, and I looked a couple weeks, looked last week at our giving, and I, I told her, I called her up really for about 30 minutes. I just wept in the car and shouted thank you to God for about 30 minutes, just, just screaming thank you, because the number that we've given this year is more than we've ever given in our entire life to God. Not, and, and I just shouted, thank you, because I, I did nothing to go and gather that. I have not enough skills, not enough talent, not enough ability. I, I didn't. I just said, God, thank you for supplying and for allowing me to be a, a blessing in the earth. And thank you, God. I just, I don't, I'm just sitting and receiving. And, and some of you are doing such a side hustle and such a grind. You need to get back to the source and sit down and receive. I was a chubby kid growing up. Still a little chubby. I'm working on it. First service, I said that, and the guy in the second row said, I said, I'm still a little chubby, and he said, you look fit, but I thought he said, a little bit. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, we're going to talk. Oh, man, I'm trying. <laughs> he goes, no, I said, you look fit. It was like that bear commercial, should have used bear paint, you know what I mean? I was like, it just, we just, mistranslation right there, um, but but I was chubby growing up, and man, listen, I, I grew up in a house, and my buddy, my best friend, Mark Sosby, he was a good cereal house. Come on, who are the good cereal people, man? He was a good cereal family. Come on, they had them Fruity Pebbles and the, you know, Cocoa Puffs, and, the, and, the, and, and you know, they had, they, had, they had the Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and they had the, the Captain Crunch with the Fruit Berries or the Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. They had the good, that's a good cereal family. Mark Sosby. I go spend the night. We were not, we were not, we were the manna family. We were the, we were the, the law, we had the Grape Nuts family. Concrete. My mom's like, put some equal on top, put some sweet and low. And I'm like, that's cancer and gravel right there in a the bowl, mama. That's all we eating. It's like, it's like we're gonna eat rice krispies. I'm like, you rice crispy liar, snap, crackle, pocket. It tastes like paper. It ain't no pop. Don't try to trick a kid and make it make noise to make me think it tastes good. Trick a chubby kid with snap, crackle, pop. That's a lie. Happy elves on the box. That's a lie. I was a hungry, chubby kid. I go to Mark's, man. We would, we, he had all the cereal, Fruity Pebbles, man, to buy the unlimited boxes, all of it. I was just, oh. But here's the deal. I was hungry by 8 a.m. Mark didn't wake up till 11. <laughs> that's, a, that's a chubby kid problem right there. I, I, 
I would, but I would try to push it to like 8.30 till 9. I'm like, oh, I'm praying prayers from heaven. Wake Mark up, Lord. Wake him up. Fruity Pebbles are calling my name, somebody. <laughs> finally, finally, I got so frustrated. I can't go to a kid's kitchen without him. Like, how am I going to do that? Find me in your living room eating your banana pudding. Some, you know, somebody like, like I, can't, I can't show up in somebody's kitchen and like eat their stuff without my friend there. It's his house. So I went to Mama Sosby. I said, Mama Sosby. I said, I got a problem. I'm a chubby kid. I'm hungry by 8.30. Mark doesn't wake up till 11. I can't get him up, Mama. She said, oh, honey, you go in there and you eat that fruity pebble. You get a bowl. You eat whatever you want to eat. You eat every box of cereal. You just make yourself at home. I said, yes, ma'am, don't tell me twice. I was, I was in there. I had Tupperware bowls out. I had cake baking bowls. I had whole boxes. Just eat till I couldn't eat anymore. Jesus said, oh, oh, with manna, you only are allowed to gather this much, and it's only good for a day, and there's none left over. But do you remember the miracle I did for you yesterday when you ate to your fill, and you, and you had some left over, and it didn't go stale, and you took up 12 baskets, and you actually had more, and everyone was sustained and supplied for? That's my grace. That's my life. He's saying, you can be as hungry as you want to be with me. You can eat to your fill. You're, the word is not going to go bad. It's not going to go stale. Some of you think the word of God in your kid's life has gone stale. The word of God in your marriage has gone stale. The word of God in that coworker has gone stale. The word of God is working inside of humanity, and it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is not law. It is grace, and you can be as hungry as you want to be with God. God, we're hungry. You're the bread of life. God, would you feed me? Would you sustain me? Would you be the source of my life? This is not legalistic. This is Jesus, food of any kind. Please move on from the method that you think you have to have. What feeds you? What feeds you? Jesus is the bread of life. I want to pray with you and close. He says, I'm the bread of life. In that culture, that meant he was the main dish. In our culture, bread is a side dish. It's a secondary thought. It's something we say, no, thank you, because we're watching the carbs, somebody. We're trying to stay fit. <laughs> and we turn it down at the table. Not in this culture. This culture, it was the centerpiece of the table. What Jesus is saying to you and I when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, would you put me back in the middle of the table? Would you put me back in the center place of your life? Many of you heard me say it, but it's worth repeating. Whenever I would go, go uh, buy food with my children, we'd be in a minivan. We'd go through a drive-thru. We'd go to Chick-fil-A. We'd, we'd go to Starbucks, and they would say, hey, can we take your order? We'd order chicken sandwiches, chicken nuggets, chicken sandwiches, whatever. We'd order Starbucks. We'd order coffee. And then after we got all of our order done, after all the chaos of the ordering, some little sucker on the microphone would say, would you like a, a milkshake with that? I'm like, shut. And my kids start screaming again, yeah, milkshake, <laughs> milkshake. Order the coffee. Like, would you like a piece of pound, lemon pound cake with that? Yeah, pound cake, daddy. Like, ah. Oh. The, the fact that they had to ask me if I would like it after I placed my order proved to me that it wasn't the main dish on the menu. The fact that they had to added as an option for an add-on proved to me that it wasn't what people normally ordered. We already had the chicken, but it's an add-on. Can I ask you a question? 
is in all your giving and all your going and all your serving and all your living and all your side hustling and all your stressing and all your anxiety and all your work and all your effort, is God saying, would you like some God with that? Is he a side dish to the menu? Is he an option in your life that maybe is just another method but not the source? I'm just telling my own life right now. Like, Jamie, just could you just begin to sit and receive a little bit different? Because my children don't beg bread. They don't stress for bread. They don't, they don't do that. They worship and they, they believe. They believe on the one who is the bread of life. Father, thank you so much for being the source of our life. Lord, help us. You, you see us running around here down on this little planet you made. You see the worries, the stresses. They're real. You see the fears. You see the chaos. You see the wars. You see the turmoil. You see the markets. You see the money. Money comes and goes. Methods come and go. You are the menu. You are the bread of life. You're the source. You're everything. You're the sustainer. You've got it worked out. You've never designed a person without a way to feed them. You've never created a, 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 a child of yours without a way to sustain them. Oh God, we don't go and gather. We sit and receive today. Would you help some of us sit down? I pray for that person that's so anxious. Lord, I, I just pray that person that's just been so anxious, even just thinking about medication right now because they don't even know how to curb the, the anxiety. I pray for those that are so worried right now. Those, Lord, that don't know how it's gonna turn out and they keep trying to figure out and run every scenario in their mind. How's it gonna turn out? They got the calculator out. They, they're doing the math equation. And you're saying, you know what you're gonna do. Oh, God, would you whisper to them, you know what you're going to do. You have it under control. We sit and receive today. You're the greatest source. We're all hungry. I pray for the young person in this room trying to fill their appetite on the wrong thing right now. I pray for the young person right now that's trying to satisfy their soul with the wrong thing right now. Lord, all things, all, all the things we face, all the pains and hurts and problems just come from us feeding on the wrong thing. I pray for that young person feeding on the wrong relationship right now. They would know, they know who it is, that they would cut that thing off in a healthy way because they're feeding their soul on the wrong thing. I pray for that person that's facing that addiction right now. They would, they would cut that off their life by your power because, Lord, they're trying to feed an appetite that only you can satisfy. Those watching online right now, God, I pray that you would satisfy the appetite that's eternal inside of them with your bread, with your salvation, with your love, with your family. God, thank you for the miracles you're doing in our life. We can't navigate the waters on this planet without you as our bread. If you're in this place today or you're watching online, just for another second, as we all just sit and receive... We all had to do that at some point. We all had to sit at the cross to receive what God had for us. Maybe you find yourself running from God today or stressed out trying to rule your own life. You're carrying your own sin, your own burden. You're carrying your mistakes, your shame. We've all done it, carrying your own guilt. The Bible says that Jesus went to a cross, died a horrific death publicly, took my shame, my guilt, my, my sin, my pride, my arrogance, took all that took me trying to lead my own life, took all that, nailed it to a cross, died for me, took my punishment, and then rose from the dead to prove to me that he was God, and that he beat sin and hell and death and the devil, and he gave me a brand new heart, a brand new life. Not religion, not church, not rules. He actually put the heart of God inside of me. He put eternity inside of me and made me a child of God. He's my father. And he can offer you that today just by simply saying, you know what, Jesus, I wanna follow you. You are God and I'm not. I believe that you rose from the dead. And maybe you need a fresh start with God today. Maybe today is your day to stop running. 
If you're watching online, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. If you're in this room, God's madly in love with you today. No judgment. No embarrassment. Heads bowed, eyes closed for a second. If you're online right now and you need a fresh start with Jesus and you know today's your day to come to Christ and say, you know what, lead my life. Be my Savior. I want in the family of God. Would you just type in fresh start? The Bible says if you believe on Jesus, you get a fresh start. I need a fresh start with God. And then if you're in this room, again, no judgment, not going to bring you forward or embarrass you, but heads bowed, eyes closed. If you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I need a fresh start with God today. I'm ready to surrender for the first time or maybe again in my life. I just need a fresh start. Would you put your hand up high and bold to me and let me pray for you? I need a fresh start with God. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage. Anybody else? I need a fresh start. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your boldness. I see that. I see that. Thank you for your courage. I see that hand. Yes, sir. Oh, Lord, thank you that we can sit and receive. Thank you that in this house, Lord, we just, we're seated in you right now. We're sitting down. People are receiving fresh starts and salvation right now. Jesus, you're the only source. It's your blood. It's your death on that cross, and it's your resurrection. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Would you just pray the prayer with me in your own words, if you're online or in the room? There's no magic in the words. It's just a prayer of surrender. Jesus, I believe you're God. I sit down right now and receive all you did for me on that cross. I believe you died for my sin. You took my punishment. You took my shame, my guilt, my anxiety, my worry, my addictions. You took it all. You took my rebellion. You took the things I'm ashamed of, no one knows about, and you nailed it to a tree publicly. You paid for it publicly. And then you rose from the dead to give me a fresh start. I thank you, God, and I receive your fresh start today. Perfect in your eyes. No guilt, no shame, no pressure. I'm your child. Fill me with your spirit and give me a brand new heart so I can worship and serve you the rest of my life in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, can y'all give God a big old shout of praise all across this place?